What's up, everybody? What's going on? Welcome back to Martian Mini Montage, episode 97, where I'm going to be talking the Meg 1 and 2. I finally sat down and watched the first one. I was like, you know what? I need to watch the second one. And I watched both of them, and I enjoyed them. So I'm going to be talking about it. Uh, I finished Helsing, the anime. I don't know why it took me so long. It was only 13 episodes. It was pretty short. Had a good time with it. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's it's very reminiscent to me of like kind of like Trigun meets like Cowboy Bebop of that era. And, uh, you know, fully taking place like in London and it's just, it was really cool about, uh, you know, obviously the uh, Helsing uh, namesake in regards to uh, vampires and taking down, uh, you know, evil demons and vampires. Yeah, it's it's real, really worth a good watch and it's it's well worth your time. I'd say check it out. It's, like I said, it's only 13 episodes. It's really short. I picked up the DVD a while back at like a Goodwill for like, I don't know, four or five bucks. And I was like, let me check it out. Glad I did. Uh, I beat Sly Cooper 3, the third one. I don't know if I've mentioned that already. I had a good time with that. Loved it. Played it on my Sony Trinitron 36-inch. Have my PS2 still hooked up. Um, it was a solid, solid game. And immediately after that, I was like, you know what? I've had Odin Sphere for a while uh, by Vanillaware and Atlas, if I'm not mistaken. I was like, this is a solid game. Let me uh, take a look at this. I'm only on maybe level 2 or 3. I think I've beaten, I don't know, maybe a handful of bosses. It took me a while, but the art style is incredibly beautiful. It's basically a beat-em-up JRPG. Uh, with elements of uh, leveling up your character and you get to essentially choose where you want to go there's like a little circle hub world and you can uh, beat people up in uh, the particular uh, left to right platforming there's a little uh what do you want to call it i guess a merchant where you can buy items you know heal up your character and so forth if need be when you collect gold and uh, it's it's relatively pretty simple to play and it's actually a lot of fun a, a beat-em-up jrpg well worth your time it's on par with a uh, dragon's crown for those of you who know that game out there uh, i've been playing oracle of seasons on game boy color on my nes uh, mini i have a game boy uh, color emulator on there and uh <laughs> i missed out on that one it's a capcom game and i looked up the lineage it said to play oracle of seasons first so i'm playing that and uh, it's it's a lot of fun it plays a lot like Link's awakening it's a solid solid title well worth anybody's time and for those of you who don't have a game boy uh, color or game boy emulator i believe those two games are on the nintendo switch online i believe it's what like 40 50 for a year you know and you get uh nes super nintendo game boy uh sega genesis as well as n64 games hang on let me get a sip of water here uh, some uh bubbly uh watermelon sponsored by bubbly watermelon no i'm just kidding not really <laughs> uh, i've also been playing a sea of stars on switch i had to I, uh, I got the demo a little while back, and I was like, I can't wait for this game to come out. And I saw that it came out, and I was like, $34 uh, digital, or I can wait till next year and get it physical. And I was like, dude, I really want to play it now. So I got it digital. I'd rather have it physical, but it is what it is. Um, basically, a homage slash, like, not necessarily a successor. I'm kind of using that term loosely, but it's very much like Super Mario RPG elements mixed with, like, Legend of Dragoon elements. If you time your hit as well as your defensive uh, mechanic right you can do more damage or less damage to yourself. Um, there's obviously mana involved and then uh, using magic without magic. The art style is very Chrono Trigger. It's like Super Nintendo. It's 16-bit kind of like meets like Live Alive or uh, Octopath Traveler. Uh, those are incredibly beautiful in their own right, but this is also just as beautiful. Um, you can play as Valer or uh, Zael, I believe was his name, and then Garl is like a little cook guy that follows you around and helps you out. I've only been playing maybe like three hours. I think I beat maybe two or three bosses so far. It's a lot of fun. I've only died once so far. 
Um, it, it's really, really cool. I, I highly, highly recommend that game for those of you that like old school JRPGs with a new, I guess, flair, if you will. But uh, it's definitely an homage to that era. Uh, I picked up Monkey Ball on uh, Switch because it reminded me of, well, just good times that I used to play it back in the day on a GameCube. And uh, I went to go see my uh, relatives and uh, my nephew. And I was like, you know what? This would be a good uh, puzzle game. Uh, maybe he'd want to play with me. And uh, I kicked his ass. It's just <laughs> they don't make puzzle games that difficult for, I feel like, this generation. And it was just as difficult as I remember. And I had a good time with it. And uh, some of the maps I did, like, first try. He's like, how do you do that? And I was like, dude, I've been playing video games as long as you've been alive. So, and, and longer than that, actually. So, I mean, you're only 10, 11 years old, bro. I got you. I got your number. <laughs> take, take a number, man. I got you. <laughs> but uh, And then I also got the uh, Shredder's Revenge DLC. And you can play as Usagi Ujimbo or Kyrie. I believe she might be from maybe like the 2003 series, Rise of the Turtles. And uh, yeah, it's so far I'm having a lot of fun with that. I, uh, you know, he wanted to play a little bit of that. My mom uh, was watching us play too. And, you know, she was enjoying that because she's always liked the Turtles. I mean, obviously I like them more than she does, but, you know, she likes watching me play Turtles and spending time with my nephew. So that was a lot of fun. Um, I'm going to also be talking about the Star Trek VHS uh, copies that I got. I'm only on the fifth one out of the sixth one. And I've paid attention to most of it here and there. Some of it's a little stale and old, probably because I never really watched the series growing up. But I figured, hey, for, you know, $6 for a box set, and it's a really cool box set on VHS, I was like, I'll give it a uh, shot. You know, I'm about maybe halfway through the fifth one, if not maybe more. Uh, But what I have so far, I will talk about it. Uh, What else did I get on Switch? Uh, Yuka Lately, which is basically an N64 platformer, or at least that's what it looks like, reminiscent of that. Um, and, uh, I haven't started it yet. It was really cheap. I think it was like three or $4. And then I got the messenger, which was the game that, um, sabotage the publisher first made before they made the game, uh, sea of stars. And I saw that advertised and I was like, you know what, if this game is just as good, I mean, it's, it's kind of like Ninja Gaiden, uh, the messenger or Shinobi. It's relatively similar to that, you know, action platformer with boss battles and all that, but it looks a lot of fun. And I'm looking forward to getting into that as soon as I can. Uh, that being said, uh, games and not very too many movies and a little bit of anime. I guess let's uh, get into that. Here, long intro, but all right, let's go. All right, well, since it was one of the first things I mentioned, I will pull up the Meg and we will talk about it. I had a really good time with one and two. Uh, that being said, uh, I want to look up a little bit of history and I want to share that with you guys. The Meg came out five years ago, actually, 2018, PG-13 is an hour and 53 minutes. And even though it is that long, it, it, it flies by. It's, it, it's very captivating for what it is. It has a 5.6 out of 195,000 um, reviews as per uh, IMDb. Um, yeah, it's, I really enjoyed it. It's about a group of scientists exploring the Marianas Trench and encounter the largest marine predator that has ever existed, the Megalodon. Hence the Meg. Duh. Ha ha ha. Came out August 10th as of 2018. Directed by John Turtletob. What a name. Let's see what else this guy did, if there's anything worth uh, mentioning. Oh, dude, he directed Cool Runnings. That's awesome. Okay, that's a classic Disney film. He did National Treasure with Nick Cage and uh, Phenomenon, the uh, John Travolta film. I vaguely remember that one. I'd say Cool Runnings and uh, National Treasure Treasure for the win. But, all right. Okay, so he's relatively uh, known. I just, <coughs> excuse me, I just didn't know <coughs> who the director was. Uh, Jason Statham in this as Jonas Taylor. I'm assuming that's a reference to, a, you know, Jonas who gets swallowed by a whale and it just makes perfect sense. Uh, Su Yin, uh, a.k.a. Bing Bing Lee. Rain Wilson is in this. Uh, spoiler alert, he gets uh, eaten. Cliff Curtis is Mac. Winston Chow is Zhang. <gasps> Excuse me. All I've had is just salad and water and I'm hiccuping. Uh, probably because I got a nicotine pouch in, but whatever. Uh, who else is in this? Really worth mentioning. Not really anybody. All right. That being said, I guess moving on. 
<clears throat> uh, they have a little synopsis here of the storyline. I guess I'll briefly uh, read about it to you guys. Five years ago, expert sea diver, naval captain Jonas Taylor, a.k.a. Jason Statham, encounters an unknown danger in the unexplored recesses of the Mariana's Trench, forcing him to abort his mission and abandon half of his crew. Though the tragic incident earned him a dismissal from service, what ultimately cost him his career is his marriage and any semblance of honor was his unsupported and incredulous claims of what caused it. No one wanted to believe him that there was a Meg, but obviously the title of the film, and thusly they found a Megalodon. An attack on his vessel by a mammoth 70-foot sea creature believed to be extinct for more than a million years. But when a submersible lies sunk and disabled at the bottom of the ocean, carrying his ex-wife among the team aboard, he is uh, the one who gets the call. Whether a shot at redemption or a suicide mission, Jonas must confront his fears and risk his own life and lives of everyone trapped below on a single question. Could the Carcharidon Megalodon... Carcharidon is a Latin also just like there's a Carcharidon Carcarius, which is the Great White. There you go. The more you know, because knowledge is power. G.I. Joe. Anyway, the largest marine predator that ever existed. Still be alive and on the hunt. Uh, produced by Warner Brothers. Taglines, the most feared predator in history is no longer history. That See, that works. I like that. That's brilliant. Yeah, fantastic. All right, trivially, in real life, Jason Statham is an expert swimmer. Uh, in 1990, Commonwealth Games, he represented England in diving. Footage of him competing can be found online. Most of the shots of him in, this water, in the water are real. A stunt double was used for his more hazardous shots. In the book, the Megalodons are pure white, almost luminescent from living in an environment with virtually no light. I had no idea there was a book about... Well, of course there's a book on Megalodons as much as we know about them, but I mean, as far as what inspired this film. I mean, then again, most movies are typically books, right? And usually the books are better. Uh, the coloring proved too difficult to render in CGI while still looking realistic, so the Megalodons were given the same coloring as great white sharks, and it, it just makes the most sense. Uh, gray backs with pale bellies, even though this coloration would only make sense in an environment with light. Yes, uh, agreed, because obviously it's a predatorial, uh, I guess, preventative from uh, having creatures see them from down below, the white light luminescence, you know, the refraction reflection of the sun on the water. I get it. Okay. All right. How and why there are megalodons believed to have been a shallow water predator in deep sea trenches never explained in the film. While the novel goes in depth with their evolution into an abyssal, yeah, not abysmal, excuse me, abyssal species, meaning abyss, you know, the ocean. Okay, enough said, right? They migrated to the heated hydrothermal vents to escape the ice ages. Over millennia, gaining a slower metabolism and losing skin pigmentation in the process. Makes perfect sense. Well, at least as far as a science fiction book goes. In the book, once again, the Meg only attacked at night since living in the deep water made its eyes sensitive to light. It only attacked in daylight when it had been blinded during the course of the book. The movie, however, had the Meg in daylight with no consequence. It's a movie. They had to make it interesting, right? The young boy on Sonia Beach who begs his mother to be allowed to go swimming is another homage to Jaws in 1975. His mother is wearing a similar swimsuit to the one Alex Kintner's, the second victim mother, wore in the original film. That's pretty cool that they did an homage to that. Yeah, I, I tip my hat to that. That's really cool, although I'm not wearing a hat. All right, at least currently. I do usually wear a lot of hats. All right, what else we got here? Released August 10th, 2018, as I've stated. Uh, also, uh, I'm not even going to butcher that one. It, also known as something in some other language that I'm not going <laughs> to pronounce. Uh, filmed in Horakai Gulf, Auckland, New Zealand, and released by Appel Entertainment and Mayday Productions. Its budget was $130 million and it grossed $529 million. I'd say it was a success. Let's see what Wikipedia has to say about it. All right. The Meg. Okay. All right. I'm going to skip the plot since I already kind of went over that with you guys. All right. Development. That's always what's interesting to me. Disney's Hollywood Pictures initially acquired the rights to the novel in 1996. Wow. Around that time, Tom Wheeler was hired to adapt the book into a screenplay, but having decided that his script was not good enough, the studio hired Jeffrey Bohm to write a new draft. 
1999, the project had stalled and the rights reverted to Steve Allen, the book's author. Wow, interesting. In 2005, reports surfaced that the project was being developed by New Line Cinema with an estimated budget of $75 million. We all know it's $130 million now, so it borderline fucking doubled. A slated a release of summer 2006, directed by Guillermo del Toro uh, and Jan DeBont uh, as producer, actually, at that time. Wow. New Line later canceled the project due to budgetary concerns. The rights reverted to Alan, Alton, excuse me, Steve Alton, not Alan, excuse me. But the film remained in development hell, uh, obviously. In 2015, it was announced that the film was now moving forward with a Warner Brothers production. New script by Dean Georges. Uh, by June of that year, Eli Roth was reported in talks of directing, but due to creative differences, Eli Roth was replaced by John Turtletaub in early 2016. Jason Statham and much of the cast joined in August of, and September of 2016. The film was an American and Chinese co-production. It was considered a full co-production under Chinese regulations. It was not subject due to the same quota system, and revenue-sharing agreements usually applied to imported films. Wow. Principal photography began October 13, 2016 in West Auckland, New Zealand, ending January 4, 2017 in Sanya City in China. Visual effects done by Sony Pictures Imageworks, Image Engine, and Scanline VFX, including realistic coral reefs, bubbles, and other sea life, of course. Uh, wow, okay. There was a 3D conversion as well, converted in 3D post-production by Legend 3D. Uh, home media released digital download as of October 30, 2018, borderline coming up on five years ago now. As of August 2020, it's available on streaming Amazon Prime in the UK as well as Hulu in the United States as of May 2023 of this year. Wow, okay. Critical response. Here we go. Review aggregator, Rotten Tomatoes. An approval rating of 46 based on 307 reviews. Eh, fuck off. They're giving it a 5.3 out of 10. Yeah, whatever. The consensus reads, The Meg sets audiences up for a good old-fashioned B-movie creature feature but lacks the, ja- the genre's thrills or the cheesy bite to make it worth diving. That's why I liked it, though. It was cheesy, dude. They're tripping. And whatever. On Metacritic, the film has a weighted average score of 46 out of 100. Audiences surveyed by CinemaScore giving the film an average of a B-plus on an a-, a to F scale. B-plus, that's fine. I-, I like that. I will sit gladly with that. Accolades. It won the Golden Fleece at the 2018 Golden Trailer Awards for the Best Home Entertainment Horror Thriller and Best Billboard of the following year. Nominated also for the Golden Raspberry Award in the Worst Prequel Remake Ripoff Sequel as a ripoff of Jaws. But, I mean, Jaws, you can't, you just can't touch it. You never will. Uh, sip of bubbly water. Once again, sponsored by a watermelon bubbly. No, not really. Just kidding. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't touch Jaws. There's just no way. Like, even Deep Blue Sea tried. And then there was, you know, El Tiburon, you know, the shark. Uh, what was it, like 1980 or 81 or whatever? I mean, I've watched them all. I like creature features. They're supposed to be bad. I mean, and nothing nothing will ever touch Jaws. If they ever do a remake, they better not do fucking CGI. They better do as much practical effects as they can because it just won't have the same value. And I have a feeling if they do do a fucking remake of Jaws, it's going to be just CGI and it's going to piss me off and I'm not going to pay for it. I'll download it. <laughs> all right, that being said, let's move on to the Meg 2. I had no idea that it was in development hell ever since like 1996. That's incredible. I mean, you know, what, 22 years later it comes out. That's crazy. All right, The Meg 2, The Trench. Came out this year, 2023, PG-13, hour and 56 minutes. It's only three minutes longer. Tagline here is, new Meg, old chum. Ha, 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 with Jason Statham on the front. I like that. Has a 5.2 out of 36,000 reviews. Uh, Yeah, it's not as good as the first, but it's still enjoyable. I'd give them both. Uh, Okay, personally, I'd probably give Meg 1, 6.5. This one, I'd probably give a 6. The... I guess the synopsis here relatively is that a research team encounters multiple threats while exploring the depths of the ocean, including a malevolent mining operation. 
And yeah, that's about as much as I'd like to get into it, unless if, if you haven't seen it. I don't really want to give too much away. Directed by Ben Wheatley. Let's see what else this individual did, because I don't know what else he's done. Uh, nothing worth, men worth mentioning. So I, yeah, I, I'll pass. Thank you, Ben Wheatley. Uh, stick to your J job, which is probably directing. Maybe you need to direct other stuff. <laughs> Jason Statham, once again, as Jonas Taylor. Uh, who else is in this? Paige Kennedy makes a return from the first one as DJ, which is awesome. Cliff Curtis as Mac comes back. No pun intended. I didn't mean to rhyme. It just kind of happened that way. Uh, really nobody else that I feel like really worth mentioning. All right, let's scroll down a little bit here. Storyline. All right, get ready for the ultimate adrenaline rush uh, in the summer of the Meg 2, The Trench. A larger-than-life thrill ride surprises the 2018 blockbuster takes the action to a higher heights and even greater depths with multiple massive megalodons and so much more. That's true. There's not just one in this one. There's multiple. Dive into uncharted waters with Jason Satham, global action icon Wu Jing, as they lead a daring research team on an exploratory dive into the deepest depths of the ocean. Their voyage spirals into chaos when malevolent mining operation threatens their mission and forces them into a higher-stakes battle for survival. Pitted against colossal megalodons and rentless environmental plunderers. Our heroes must outrun, outsmart, outswim their merciless predators in a pulse-pounding race against time. Immerse yourself in the most electrifying cinematic experience of this year with the Meg 2, The Trench, where the depths of the ocean are matched only by the heights of the sheer unstoppable excitement, stated by Warner Brothers Pictures. And, yeah, I, it, I had a good time with it, but they kind of went like the uh, Jurassic World, like, kind of augmented, I guess, uh, aesthetic to it, like, including, like, dinosaurs. I'm like, okay, whatever, you know what I mean? Because there's like a mosasaur in the beginning and then gets eaten by the megalodon. I mean, when the mosasaur was trying to eat like a little, I don't know, a acanthostega type lizard amphibian type creature. I, I, I'm throwing out the acanthostega because it's one of the first like, I guess, amphibious uh, reptilian creatures, I guess, if you will. Uh, I have an, a dinosaur encyclopedia and that clearly shows. All right. <laughs> that being said, uh, trivially, let's take a look here again. Jason Statham was disappointed by the lighter tone and lack of bloodshed in this film compared to the original. All right, well, anyway. Uh, Jason Statham did most of his own stunts himself. That's cool. The entirety of his jet ski uh, scene was done without the use of a stuntman as, and was all Jason Statham. That's super cool. The scene in which the Meg devours a T-Rex is directly taken from the first chapter of the 1997 book, A Meg, or excuse me, Meg, A Novel of Deep Terror by Steve Alton, upon which the film was based upon, of course. Um, that's... That's cool. I, I like that they're throwing that type of stuff in there. I'm going to have to pick those books up, maybe check them out. Director Ben Wheatley agreed to direct this film immediately simply because he greatly enjoyed the original, the Meg 2018, five years prior. The scene, lastly, where Jonas is sliding down the deck towards the shark's mouth appears to be a nod to Jaws, where Quint slides into the shark's mouth on its final attack of the orca. That... I like I like the homage. It's super cool. You can't make a shark movie without doing some sort of homage to Jaws. It's just, it's like improbable. You're going to piss off fans like me. And clearly they didn't piss me off because I had a good time with it. All right. Released August 4th. Uh, borderline, yeah, actually a month ago today as of this recording. Also known as The Meg 2, of course. Filmed in Phuket, Thailand. Released by China Media Capital and flagship entertainment group uh, in part with... Uh, Warner Brothers Studios. Budget, $129 million, so it was only $1 million less than its predecessor, grossed $376 million. I don't know why the ratings are so bad if it grossed so well, but whatever. That being said, all right, let's uh, scroll down here a little bit. Production, here we go, development. As of April 2018, Jason Statham said that he would do a sequel only if it would happen if the film did well, the original, with the public saying, I think it's like anything in this day and age. If it makes money, there's obviously an appetite to make more money. And if it doesn't do well, they'll soon sweep it under the carpet, but that's the way that Hollywood works. Well, well said, Jason. So, 
In August, uh, Steve Alton, the original uh, novelist, uh, my feeling has always been that this is a billion-dollar franchise if it was done right. But to be done right, you had to get the shark right, get the cast right, get the tone right. And Warner Brothers have nailed it completely. For the producers have nailed it. So, hey, more props to you, man. I'm glad you liked it because I liked it too. I now I want to pick up your book, so there's more money too. In October 2018, executive producer Catherine Zhu Jinying announced a sequel was early in early stages of development. Pre-production, March 2019, announced that the script for the film was in works with screenwriters Dean Georgiari and John Eric Hober returning. In his September 2020 newsletter, uh, Steve Alton, the novelist, confirmed the script, The Trench, to be complete and expressed interest in its dark tone. In October 2020, Ben Wheatley was announced to direct. Uh, excuse me. In April 2021, Jason Statham said filming was set to begin January 2022. <laughs> filming commenced as planned at the end of January at the Warner-owned Levesden Studios outside of London. With principal photography starting February 4th, 2022, continued the, uh, until May before switching to outdoor locations, presumably Asia, as I mentioned, Phuket, Thailand, while production was ongoing. Wu Jing were announced as part of the cast. Post-production, Milk VFX provided the visual effects for the sequel with DNEG also handling the 3D conversion, and I just, I'm not really a big 3D uh, film enthusiast, except for maybe Friday the 13th Part 3, 3D, and then uh, probably Jaws 3D. It's just nostalgia. They're not that great of films, but I enjoy them for what they are. I mean, fucking Friday the 13th Part 3D is awesome because that's clearly where he gets his mask. I mean, most people don't realize that. Everyone's like, oh, he's had it the entire time. Well, that's not true. The first film, it was obviously the mother, uh, Pamela Voorhees, which you don't learn about her name until the fourth film. And then in the second film, he has a potato sack on his head, more than likely paying homage to uh, the town that dreaded sundown, which came out probably around 10 years prior to the uh, second film, and then obviously part three, he has the hockey mask. Okay, I can talk horror all day. All right, that being said, Home Media, The Meg 2, released digital download Warner Brothers Home Entertainment on August 25th, 2023, and is scheduled to be released on uh, Ultra HD Blu-ray as of October 24th, 2023. All right, so a month around the corner. Uh, I just, I've already watched it. They're great. I have no real interest in purchasing it, but uh, review aggregator, Rotten Tomatoes, 29% out of 168 critics. Yeah, they can fuck off. With an average rating of 4.5 out of 10, the website's consensus reads, It isn't without its fun moments. The Trench uh, Meg 2 suffers from disjointed story that drifts far too long before finally delivering a few campy thrills. I disagree, but whatever. Metacritic, using a weighted average, assigning the film 40 out of 100 based on 38 critics, uh, indicating mixed or average reviews. Audiences surveyed cinema score, giving the film an average grade of a B- minus on an A to F scale, while those polled post-track gave it a 72% overall positive score, with 55% saying that it would definitely recommend this film. Yeah, I'd recommend it too. I had a great time with it. So, yeah, they can they can all, you know, whatever, get eaten by Meg. How about that? In July 2023, Ben Wheatley stated that there had been internal discussions about a potential third installment. While its development depends on the success of this film, uh, The Meg 2, The Trench, hoping to continue the story as outlined in the novels by Steve Alton. Yeah, I mean, the, the written work is there, so just use it, right? All right, well, that's all I got as far as the two, these two films. Let's uh, get into something else. All right, since I mentioned uh, I was playing some games, uh, I'm going to be talking about a recent pickup, and like I said, I was playing it. Uh, Super Monkey Ball Banana Blitz HD for Nintendo Switch, published by Sega, as was the original. Rest in peace, uh, any Sega you know fans out there. I mean, they still publish stuff, and it's very arcade feeling, and I love it. The beloved arcade franchise is back. Help I.I. and his friends reclaim all of their stolen bananas, including 10 fan-favorite party games, a fun and colorful remaster for all ages. Run, tilt, and jump to collect as many bananas as you can. One to four players. And, come on, it doesn't tell me when it came out. No, it just tells me the uh, 
Sega Corporation uh, location, which is in Irvine. I've definitely seen it driving. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you've ever played any of these uh, monkey, literally ball games, and you're in a ball, and you're, it's kind of like Marble Madness, I guess, for those of you that know Marble Madness. You're going down and uh, essentially tilting. You're just using the joysticks, and you can use A to jump if you need to. And uh, it's, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It's very difficult, but it's still a lot of fun. I, I, I enjoy it. All right, I'm going to get into uh, Odin Sphere. I have the PlayStation 2 Greatest Hits version. I believe I picked it up at Lost Levels in either Claremont or Fullerton. I can't remember. Uh, published by Atlas as well as Vanillaware. Uh, welcome to the lavishly illustrated world of Odin Sphere. Lords, or excuse me, Lands of Snow, Emerald Forest, and Chasms of Fire beckon you. Play five magnificently handed hand-rendered characters in the enchanted fairy realm of Erdion, filled with mythical beasts and gargantuan monsters. A masterwork, a feast for the senses, the kind of visual experiences that every gamer dreams possible but rarely plays. Breathtaking art, sprites that almost breathe off the screen, and monsters that span well beyond it. Five playable characters, each with their own attacks and spells. I've only played as one character so far, which I believe is the king's daughter, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, grand orchestral scores by acclaimed composer Hitoshi Sakamoto. And uh, there's a couple of reviews on the back here. Best RPG, best of 2007 awards, IGN.com. No true gamer should overlook Odin Sphere Game Informer. A heretofore unseen level of detail and animation. This is a perfect game, 10 out of 10 by Play Magazine. More than a mere localization, Odin Sphere offers players their choice of fully voiced dialogue English or the original Japanese version. I believe I have mine in English. I probably should turn it maybe Japanese and just notice maybe the voice uh, difference lose yourself in this intricately spun tale worthy of a place in the canon of a classic literature it's a one player beat em up game i have it complete in box it comes with a beautiful manual really cool uh, you know laminated and just describes uh, gameplay and the lore and all that yeah it's i'm having a lot of fun with that really really fun as far as uh, recent pickups, I mean, I picked this up a little while ago. I just didn't mention it. I got the uh, Xbox Game Disc, September 2003, number 22. Uh, for some reason, I can't play it. I don't, I don't know. My Xbox doesn't want to read it. I cleaned it. Uh, it has a lot of cool games on there, a couple demos, uh, Brute Force, uh, ESPN Football, Otogi, Xbox 2003-2004 preview, Halo 2, and Ninja Gaiden feature as well, uh, as well as Soul Calibur uh, you can play on the uh, demo disc. I also picked up... Uh, it came in this box. I'll get into the box here in a minute. Uh, I got Jurassic Park Operation Genesis. I guess uh, Goodwill must have been sleeping on this because I only paid maybe 3 or $4 for it. Uh, came with the demo disc as well as Operation Genesis in uh, the uh, demo disc package. And that's like, a, I don't know, $40 game, like loose still. And same thing, for some reason I can't play it. I've cleaned it. I don't know if the disc is uh, too scratched for it to be read in my Xbox. But hey, I have it. It could be trade fodder or I can uh, get store credit for it somewhere. That being said, I picked up Mech Assault. I remember watching Metal Jesus play it and uh, him talking about it. And I was like, all right, let me get this game. And uh, it handles pretty well. Uh, it's pretty dang hard, too, that or I just suck. But, uh, you know, same thing. I paid four bucks for it, made by Microsoft, of course. Uh, Was it Daylight Studios, I think? I can't really read the back of it. Um, it is about a massive destruction, Captain, blow those world of Blake fanatics off this planet type of game. You and your team are going hard and fast. Oh, geez, pun intended. Sure, giggity, why not? In first, the scum will soon fear wolves, dragoons, and your stable of deadly battle mechs. The tactics are up to you, but don't hesitate to crush them in the rubble of their own buildings. Dominate your opponent with the most devastatingly lethal war machines ever conceived, battle mechs. Buildings, uh, cities, and enemies explode in the twitch of your finger, bringing new meaning to the words mass destruction. Battle your way through the campaign mode or take up seven of your friends in multiplayer. 
wow, seven, considering the Xbox only uses four, but sure, whatever. The best of the best from around the world will play Mech Assault on Xbox Live. Are you ready? Clearly, the Xbox Live is down on the original Xbox, but it is complete in box. I even have like a little registration card here for it, and it plays beautifully on my uh, Sony Trinitron when I hooked up my original Xbox to it. It's absolutely fantastic. I had a good time with it. Let me cross some things out here. All right. Uh, like I said, Shredder's Revenge, I got the DLC, loved it. Uh, I'm very happy with it. It was only like $7, $8. I mean, you can't beat that, including uh, extra levels, different types of gameplay, different characters. It's just, it's all there. For those of you that are Turtles fans and you have Shredder's Revenge, get the DLC. Highly recommended. I never get DLC for really much of any games that I own, but I'm glad I did. All right. Uh, I'm playing Oracle of Seasons, and I decided to look up a little lore in regards to it, so I figured I'd talk about it. Uh, after experimenting with the porting of the original Legend of Zelda, the Game Boy Color, the flagship team supervised Yoshiki Okamoto began developing three interconnected Zelda games that could be played in any order. Well, I guess when I googled it, it said play seasons first, then ages. But anyway, the complexity of this system led to the game, or excuse me, led to the team to cancel one game. Fair enough. That's why there's only season and ages. So there was supposed to be a trilogy. I don't think I knew that. That's cool. Critical success, the games. They sold 3.96 uh, million units each. So basically 4 million units sold each, so 8 altogether. Critics complimented the gameplay, colorful designs, graphic quality, but criticized inconsistent sound quality. The sound is a little odd, I will give them that, so okay. Both games re-released for the Nintendo 3DS Virtual Console as well as Nintendo Switch online service as of July of this year. As of, you know, border, yeah, two months ago, you can play it online now. It's, it's a lot of fun, highly, highly recommended. Uh, seasons begin as the Triforce calls out to Link from the Hyrulean Castle. A funnel cloud drops from the sky, taking Din into its dark heights. Onyx seals Din in a crystal, sinks the Temple of Seasons into the subterranean land of Subrosia, setting the seasons of Holodrum, the uh, area where you live, I guess, in this, or your domicile, if you will, sure, into disarray and causing them to change rapidly. Uh, I don't want to talk about Oracle of Ages because I haven't played it yet. Din's attendant, Ippa, uh, for Oracle of Seasons, tells Link that they were headed for Hyrule. She instructs him to see Maku the tree in Horon Village. That's basically where the game starts. You see the tree and it tells you where you need to go. Uh, the Maku tree uses, uh, I guess, the, uh, what do you want to call it? I'm skipping ahead here. Uses the eight essences of nature to create a huge Maku seed, a sacred evil cleansing seed that allows Link to enter Onyx's castle. Link enters the castle, defeats Onyx, and rescues Din, who tells him that he is now a true hero and must face a new trial soon. Twin Rova, watching the scene remotely, states that the flame of destruction has now been powered by the havoc Onyx has wrought. Interesting. Uh, linked ending. If one game is played as a sequel to the other by Link's uh, password, Twin Roba captures Princess Zelda, lighting the flame of despair. Link enters a warp point by the Meku tree, faces Twin Roba, attempting to use these... I almost feel like I'm just reading jargon, but it's just interesting to me regardless. Uh, freeing Zelda and all together, they exit the crumbling castle after the credits. Link is seen waving to a crowd from a sailboat off the shore of a land with a castle in the background. So I guess these are kind of prequels to Link's Awakening, if you will. Interesting, because I know in the beginning of Link's Awakening, he's on the boat... And then he goes on this island, and you see this giant egg. Ah, it's the wind fish that's there. That's a solid game. Uh, interesting that they call it a wind fish when it's clearly like a giant humpback whale, but whatever. Uh, all right. That's pretty much... It plays just like most any other Zelda game. You press start. You can you know manipulate your uh, game mechanics to whether you want to put the sword to A or sword to B and so forth. I mean, you know, you get the boomerang, the bombs, the power rings so you can lift things, and you get the... Uh, season staff i guess if you will so you can change the seasons if need be depending on where you need to go in the game it's a solid solid game all right that being said i'm going to be talking about 
Sea of Stars. Uh, a 2023 role-playing game by Sabotage Studio, as I mentioned, the same guys who did The Messenger, which is a lot like Ninja Gaiden. Game released for Windows, Nintendo Switch, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, and Xbox Series Everything. Set in the same universe as The Messenger, apparently, and this is news to me. In the game, players take control of two heroes named Valer and Zale. Yep, so I was right on the names. Use the power of the sun and moon to fight against an alchemist. Sea of Stars features puzzle-solving turn-based combat with the player able to control up to six characters. Interesting. The game was well-received by critics, even though it's only been out for a couple days. And I can see why. It's a solid, solid game. Gameplay includes elements of puzzle-solving and turn-based combat. Players able to control up to six characters. The game inspired by RPGs such as Illusion of Gaia, Breath of Fire, as well as Chrono Trigger. You have to mention those. The solid, solid staples on uh, SNES. Featuring sailing mechanics, side quests, and combat focused around the finding the elemental weaknesses of their enemies. Sea of Stars is located in the same setting as The Messenger, but it is set thousands of years before the events of the later game. Okay, so The Messenger... I, I get it. It comes out later. Got it, got it, got it, got it. <clears throat> Reception. Generally favorable reviews. Universal acclaim for the console versions according to the review aggregate platform Metacritic. Many critics know the game's inspiration by games such as Chrono Trigger, Super Mario RPG, and Golden Sun, as I've stated. Golden Sun... They threw that in there, and well, well said, because Golden Sun, it only has, what, I think the two games on Game Boy Advance as well as the DS one, and I haven't played the DS one, but I loved the first two. I never beat the second one. I loved the first one. I beat that one. I just got stuck on the second one. I, I probably should have picked it back up. Ah, oh, man. It has been awarded the game five out of five stars compared to the game to a Lost Lake Classics of the Super Nintendo era, and rightly so. It has a very, very f- good feeling of that, as well as uh, maybe like Lunar... Uh, Silver Story uh, Saga, or whatever that believe, I believe it's called on PS1. Uh, visual style soundtracks, environments, homages to past games, concluding that Sea of Stars is no shallow mirror of RPGs past. Its depth and sparkle make it a modern classic in its own right. Agreed, IGN gives it a score of 8 out of 10, praising the game's visual soundtracks and gameplay, but viewed the game as a more derivative than innovative in relation to the genre. Well, I think that's probably what they were designing to do. They wanted to give that you know, derivative feeling to those, uh, I guess, newcomers to gaming who didn't get to experience the stuff that, you know, us older people, I guess, in terms of gaming is concerned that we had, you know, and they're able to experience it now. It doesn't necessarily have to be innovative. It's everything's kind of relative and derivative of what came before us anyway, because everything that came before us, music, movies, video games was typically better in my opinion. So it's fine that I think it's derivative. It doesn't need to be innovative, but that's just me. All right. That's all I got as far as gaming. Uh, what do I have here? I have my Star Trek box set. I'm going to be looking at uh, the uh, fifth uh, VHS here, The Final Frontier, Star Trek The Final Frontier, Episode 5. Uh, the Final Frontier has the Trek essence in spades. David Anson of Newsweek, as of whenever this came out, 1991 apparently. I will read the back for you. It's Stargate 8454.130, whatever. Vacation Captain Kirk. Faces two challenges, climbing Yosemite's El Capitan and teaching campfire songs to Spock. It, it's as corny as it sounds, but vacations are cut short when a renegade Vulcan hijacks Enterprise and pilots it into a journey to uncover the universe's innermost secrets. The Star Trek stars are back from one of their most astonishing voyages ever with all the fun and excitement fans have come to love. So buckle up for a thrilling leap into the unknown that's as much a spiritual odyssey as a space adventure. It's all the richer for it. Kevin Thomas, LA Times. Uh, you know, they're all rated PG. Um, they're all quirky and corny. I mean, I, I have fun watching them. I mean, it's definitely not as thrilling as Star Wars. I, I will always love Star Wars more. It's for those of you who aren't really into Star Trek, I'd say at least give it a shot. You know, if you were always like, oh, it's dumb, it's nothing compared to Star Wars. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of right there with you, but at least 
at least say you watched it and you can have your own opinion based on it. And uh, it, it was just okay. I have one more film to watch, uh, episode six, The Undiscovered Country, as far as the original uh, films go. And I will watch that soon and maybe talk about it, maybe not. I don't even really feel like talking about the first four. I mean, they're they're okay. It's it's nothing to brag about. I mean, it's just a cool shelf piece at this point, you know, because you see the Enterprise on the boxes here. But uh, that being said, this is episode 97. I talked movies, uh, including Star Trek, as well as the Meg 1 and 2. I uh, finished, like I said, Helsing the Anime. Highly recommended. Well worth your guys' time. I talked about some games that I've been playing. Mostly really just been gaming and exercising, and I got to go spend some time with my family, so that was a lot of fun. But uh, as always, thank you for the love and support, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your day wherever you are, and good night. Thank you, or good morning wherever you are. I don't know what time you guys are listening to this, but anyway, thank you.